I am Gian, the founding pastor of Victory Church from Odessa, Texas. I say hello to you and welcome to another broadcast. Dr. Luke is the title of our teaching of this morning, Worship Service 274, January 23rd, 2022. We invite you to go to our website, vchurch.us, and look for the tab, the tab bulletins, and you will be able to download the bulletin of this teaching. Now, if you are watching through a big TV in the comfort of your home, simply grab your phone, open the camera, point toward the QR code, and voila, there you go. You will be able to download the bulletin of this teaching. I want to thank you so much, friends, for your support. You know, it is wonderful to have beautiful church members that are willing to make contributions on a regular basis to help us to do what we do. There is a lot of work behind scenes, and of course, many wonderful technicians, experts in different areas related with images and video, cameras, the pre-production set, and of course, the production, and finally, the broadcast of this service. Thank you so much, Sebastian, for all the work you are doing coordinating the IT here in our church, and of course, thank you, Tracy, for the songs. We enjoyed it very, very much. It was a beautiful moment, and today, it is my privilege to speak to you about Dr. Luke, a wonderful man of God. And uh, I'm excited because he is probably one of my favorites in the scripture, one of my favorite characters, and today we, we are going to study his manuscripts in the Bible. Are you ready for this? We read this first scripture in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Greetings from our dear friend Luke, the doctor. Colossians chapter 4, verse 14, section B. Paul is talking about this wonderful individual, the doctor Luke. Do you know that Luke was a devoted believer, a scientist? who assumed the responsibility of writing two books in the New Testament. Did you know that? Wonderful man of God. And uh, someone hired him to do this job. In fact, the name of the guy who hired him is Theophilus. As you can imagine, this individual was curious to find out exactly what happened with the Lord Jesus. That is the beginning of all these things. So... He knew Luke. He knew that he was a doctor. And Theophilus thought, well, this guy is smart. This guy is someone with a good level of education and understanding. He's going to do a good job for me. So he hired him and said, you know what, Luke, Dr. Luke, I want you to research and find out everything that you can find out about Jesus and about everything that we have heard. So Luke received the challenge and he said, absolutely. So here you have the first scripture in the Gospel of Luke, chapter one, verse one, where very clear, Luke says this, most honorable Theophilus. Many others have tried to give a report of the things that happened among us to complete God's plan, many. And he directs the letter 
precisely to Theophilus. You see? Now, also, he did the same thing uh, with the book of Acts. And here he says, Dear Theophilus, the first book I wrote was about everything Jesus did and thought from the beginning. There is the proof for you, the evidence for you, that Luke actually took the challenge from his employer in this particular task, Theophilus, and did it. Now, there are some things that I, I would like to discuss with you about Luke, things that are actually outstanding things. And uh, probably the first one is that as a scientist, Luke was the kind of person that he always was interested in facts. He wanted to know the facts of every instance, of every situation. So he decided to do a deep investigation and research about everything that people were telling about the Lord Jesus. So he interviewed the disciples. He came to the disciples because he knew that Theophilus was a believer. He, we don't know if at the beginning he was a believer. Eventually he became a believer, but his first mission was as a scientist, I want to get facts. I want to get some evidence of whatever people are talking about Jesus. So he investigated, interviewed people, and this was fabulous. Because as a result of hearing all the testimonies, as a result of finding out the facts that they were absolutely accurate coming from one group of people and another group of people, and one witness here and another witness here, and all the disciples, all the evidence, it was proof that what they were listening at that time was absolutely real. And as a result of hearing all these testimonies, what happened in Luke's heart? He developed faith. You know what is interesting? If you are the kind of person that likes to go by the facts, you know, and I am one of those, honestly, I like to hear the facts of the story. Sometimes the emotion of the story is good, the feeling, you know, how, how they felt about this and how they feel about that. All those things are important. Of course, they are important. We are humans, right? We have feelings. But I want to get to the facts. The facts, and what happens is when, when the facts are so evident and they actually are a proof of what we are listening, you know what that does in you? You develop faith. But in this particular case, Luke was studying the life of the Lord Jesus. Luke was reviewing what people said. We don't know if Luke saw the Lord Jesus in person. We just don't know if he had this personal interaction with him. We just don't know if he was a witness of the Lord Jesus on Calvary. We don't know if he was there with the rest of the disciples. We, we just don't know. More probably, he wasn't. 
And it makes sense when you think about Theophilus saying, you know, I want to hire a scientist. I want to hire someone that is impartial to this situation because I want to have a real report. I want to know the truth of all this. Theophilus was a believer, but at the same time, he wanted to have certainty of, this, of, of those things that people heard, that people said, and he heard. And when Luke studied the facts, how Mary, being a virgin, conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he reviewed what happened with Joseph and his doubts, is this baby real from God? Really? And the conviction that he, Joseph had, and eventually the whole process of the Lord Jesus going into ministry, and then the testimonies of the transforming the water in, into wine, healing people, the blind, the one that couldn't walk, bringing people from death to life like Lazarus, for example. Walking in on, on the water, the miracle of multiplication of the fish and bread. You know, when, when Luke heard the testimonies of the apostles telling him, no, he stopped the wind. We were there. Actually, Peter said, you know what? I walk on the water for a moment. <laughs> I saw all that. All that made an impression in Luke. All that, it was transformed into faith. Many people in the world, they, they have heard about Jesus, but they have not really investigated the, the case for real. I don't know if you are a believer, my friend, or maybe you are just a curious person. I don't know if you are devoted to God in some fashion, or perhaps you are one of those who, who want to know more about God. If that is your case, first of all, congratulations. And I'm glad that you want to research more about Jesus. And I think that today you're going to hear great things that will make you believe like I believe, like what happened in, in Luke's case, that faith brought in to a place of conviction. A conviction that God is real. A conviction that God loves the world. The conviction that God cares for his creation so much that he sent his son, son, Jesus, to pay the price for our redemption, to forgive us of our sins and iniquities. That conviction you know, based on all the evidence that he collected, facts, the testimonies of her, developing faith in him, making him so convicted that there is one God, one true God, gave him character. Character, my friend, is what we need in these days. Character is what you need to show every day when you have trouble. And let me tell you this, if you are a believer and you don't have a strong character, there is something wrong in you. If you are a believer and you are still doubting if God will provide for you, something is not right in you. 
If you are a believer, you don't think that God can complete the process of healing and restoration in your life. Something is missing. If you are a believer, you should be a person with strong convictions, with great faith. And that will be displayed through your character. How? With your expressions, with your verbal expressions, with your declarations, when you face the adversity, and even, even though you can feel weak sometimes, or you don't have the money sometimes, or the problem is way too complicated, still you make the declaration saying, I know the Lord will open the right door. I know the Lord will complete the healing in my life. I know the Lord will provide. I know the Lord is my rock. I know the Lord is my refuge. I know the Lord has a plan for my life. I know the Lord wants me in heaven. And I know that my Redeemer lives. Character, my friend. Character. Now, on the other hand, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about what happens with people that are ignorant. Let's start with the definition. Ignorant is not an insult to anybody. Let me give you an example. I do not speak uh, Chinese, Mandarin, I do not. I can say a couple of phrases, you know, like xie xie, that means thank you. But other than that, I don't think I can have a conversation with anybody in Chinese or Mandarin. If you understand the definition of being ignorant is when someone doesn't know something about a matter, right? So I am totally an ignorant in Chinese. <laughs> that is to be ignorant. Well, in matter of faith, there are a lot of people that are ignorant. You see, it's not an insult. It's just a fact. People just don't know. But the thing with faith in religion, the thing with the belief system, is that a lot of people that are ignorant about what Luke found out, that we know that Luke says, and what the Bible says and explains so in so many details about God, his love, his, the past, present, and future of humankind, those who are ignorant, they start to believe in lies. And they believe in illusions. They start to believe that they are the result of an explosion. An explosion. They are the result of cells that multiply and suddenly, a human being. Some believe that they are the result of the evolution of some sort of animals and creatures. When people are ignorant of the truths written in the scripture, they are ignorant about the origin of the Bible. They are ignorant about how prophets can receive messages from God and presented in an intelligent way to people when they are ignorant, they are going to believe lies and illusions. And as a result of that, they live in constant fear. They are afraid of, about everything because they don't know what the Bible says about the protection of God, so they are afraid. 
They don't know what the Bible says about the provision of God, so they are afraid. They don't know what the Bible says about eternity and heaven, so they are afraid. Ignorance is, is a terrible thing, as you can see. The person that is ignorant, the person that doesn't know about the truths in the Bible, believes lies, believes all kinds of illusions, lives in a constant fear that will take him to a state of confusion. And you see them everywhere. People live in confusion all the time. They don't know where is the Northwest. They don't know what is the South. They don't know what is real and they don't know what is not real. They don't know what is the truth and they don't know what is a lie. They are delusional, totally. And imagine someone in that condition, what kind of decisions can make? And then you see what happens in the life of people that are ignorant about the truths of the Bible. Their poor decisions will take them to a disastrous life related with their health, related with family matters, careers, etc. That is not what should happen in the life of people today. And here in Victory Church, myself as a pastor of this church, I want you to know that I will fight with everything I got, all the life that the Lord God can give me, to proclaim the truths about the Bible so I can explain things to people so they can see the truth and find the truth in life. However, reasoning with some people that are ignorant is almost a mission impossible. <laughs> I have some discussions with some people that, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, they are, they are ignorant about these matters. And I try to reason with them in person. Sometimes I try to reason with them on a chat online, via email, phone calls, personal meetings. I have tried to make them understand. But the truth is, it's almost a mission impossible. So therefore, sometimes I feel like Ethan Hunt. <laughs> and I know I'm going to win. And I know God is with me, and I know I possess the truth, and I know the Holy Spirit is with me, and I know the facts, I know the evidence, I have heard the testimonies, I know the witness, and, and I myself have lived the experience of receiving the light. Therefore, the mission impossible becomes a mission accomplished in the name of Jesus. If you are a believer, that's the way that you should see it. That is one thing that I disagree with many believers that are so upset because they find people against Christianity or against the Bible or they disagree with our views and they want to fight with them and they, they start to throw everything in their faces, you know. That's a mistake. Because you know what the scripture says? It's not by might. It's not by power. But my, but my spirit, says the Lord. The ability that you should have as a believer is the ability to listen to what the Lord wants you to say in those moments. Because deep down in their hearts, everyone is willing to reason with you. But if you lose the cool, 
and you get upset, and then you start throwing also the dishes on their faces, it's not going to work. You can do it. It's a mission impossible, apparently. But if, if you hear and listen attentively the voice of the Holy Spirit, you will be able to handle it, my friend. This is what Luke says in the chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. What they have written agrees with what we learned from the people who saw those events from the beginning. They also serve God by telling people his message. I studied all carefully from the beginning. Then I decided to write it down for you in an organized way. I did this so that you can be sure that what you have been taught is true. Isn't it beautiful, my friend? To have somebody that is able to confirm what you believe. In this case, let me tell you, Theophilus was so grateful with this. But I want to talk to you now about something that is very important with anyone that today is in front of a camera. People that with or without education, with or, or without the right training, with or without the right accountability, they just grab a camera and start talking. And they can say any number of things. Well, let me tell you something. Anyone who, who is able to speak in front of a camera things that uh, apparently are biblical, their verbal teachings, they, they should match with the scriptural teachings. In other words, whatever anyone is sharing on a camera, on a video, and you listen to those people, you need to confirm that what they are saying is biblical and is applicable to these days because there are some parts of the scripture that are not applicable to those days. For example, killing animals to be forgiven. That is not applicable anymore. And there are many other contexts where there are scriptures that they are not applicable anymore. But people that they just take passages of the scripture to say whatever they want to say, which usually is to condemn others. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's not biblical. You know, what is the main message in the Bible? That God is love, that he loves us, that he sent his son so we can be forgiven. Any person that you are watching or listening should be a person that his verbal teachings, they are accordingly with the scriptural teachings and vice versa. And vice versa. Whatever this person is saying matches with the scripture and the scripture matches with whatever this person is saying because it should be the same message. The same spirit should be behind now, that, that is if you are watching somebody there. On the other hand, Luke says that he interviewed people and he actually spoke with witnesses. Which is a great thing to have about someone that is speaking in front of a camera. You are listening to people. Do you know, do you know them in person? Do you know anything about their lives? 
you know, for anyone in front of a camera, they can buy a nice shirt or a nice suit and a nice tie or whatever they can buy and they start talking and maybe they're eloquent and probably they are very good, very convincing. Even they can say biblical things. The question is if their lives are a good example to follow. So therefore, it's so important, actually it's imperative for you before you endorse anyone that you need to have the testimony of somebody, even better if it's you who know this particular preacher, that you know that this person has a good testimony. If there are witnesses of the life of this person, if there is a decent life, but what about those, if you watch somebody that you cannot, you don't know anything about them, how can you tell if those individuals are legit? Witnesses, as I was telling you. You know, anyone that comes in front of a camera or goes to speak to people about God or the Bible should be someone that should study carefully the scripture. Should be somebody that takes his time reflecting on the scripture, studying the scripture in order to present it right to the audience. That's another good thing that you can see. Because if you see, if you're watching someone speaking and all that is doing is just screaming and yelling and who knows what else, and there is no meat in what you are listening, who knows if this person is really carefully studying the scripture with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It's very important for you to know that. Luke, on the other hand, said, you know, I did my research. I spoke with people, interviewed different individuals. I know the testimonies are accurate. But now I want to present to you my writings. Luke is talking to Theophilus, right? And he says, I wanted to present it to you in a very organized way. That is fantastic. It is fantastic because anyone will understand better the scripture when the person that is speaking is able to organize the teachings, is able to present to you things easy to understand, easy to comprehend, and move to one topic, to the next, and the next, and the next. I'm very, very grateful that the good Lord blessed me with a gift, the gift of writing. And I will tell you this, the first person that I saw writing when I was a little boy was my grandmother, Olympia. And she had this notebook and she wrote different things. I saw that. She wrote a poem about me, my grandson. And she said beautiful things to me. And she read it for me. I was probably 10 years old. I remember I listened to her and I thought, oh, that's nice. But that was it. I wasn't able to comprehend anything about it. I saw after that my father writing. And here I am now as a minister presenting to people my studies 
in the shape of a book that today we call an e-book because it's electronic. There is no need for a hard copy, right? So you can find 25 e-books for the glory of God that we have available for anyone. If you are the kind of user that likes Apple computers and Apple products or iPhones, iPads, etc., in that family, all that you need to do is to go to vchurch.us forward slash iTunes. There you go. You will see the ebooks available for you. But if you are the kind of person that likes PCs with a different variety of OSs like Chrome or Windows or Linux or whatever else, or Android phones or other kind of phones that are not iPhone, the only thing that you need to do is just to go to the website dchurch.us forward slash ebooks and also you will be able to download the 25, any of the 25 ebooks for the glory of God. Now, since we are in the announcement aspect, what if you allow me to present to you my announcement for the following Sunday? The message will be, God, if you don't give me... <laughs> Sounds like a threat, right? God, if you don't give me... That is the message for Sunday, January 30th, 2022, the worship service 275. I hope you will be here in Victory Church or you will be listening to it. All right. Let's continue reading. What happened at the end of the Gospel of Luke? What is what he says? He says this, Jesus led his followers out of Jerusalem almost to Bethany. He raised his hands and blessed his followers. While he was blessing them, he was separated from them and carried into heaven. They worshiped him and went back to Jerusalem very happy. They stayed at the temple all the time praising God. Whew. This is the way that the Gospel of Luke ends. You know, Luke investigated, researched, presented all the facts, everything that he knew was accurate, and wrote it. But at the very end of his writing, he talks about what happened with Jesus after he was risen. And what we find very, very nicely described is that when he was about to go up to heaven, the disciples worshipped Jesus. You know, Luke, as a scientist, investigated, researched, talked to people, interviewed people, got witnesses and all that. He knew the facts and he found out the truth. He got so much faith. As I said earlier, he was absolutely filled with conviction that gave him character. But to this point, he's concluding something. Jesus is God. And that is precisely what the scripture calls it as the cornerstone. Jesus is God. If you are not able to acknowledge that Jesus is God, the Son of God, God in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, if you are not able to acknowledge that, if you cannot say with your own voice, with your own words, that Jesus is God, that Jesus is Lord, the Holy Spirit still is not dwelling in you. So you are not in the light, my friend. But whenever you open your heart to Him, 
and you let the Holy Spirit come and dwell in you, it will be easy for you to acknowledge that and you say, yes, absolutely, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is my Savior. He died for me. He has risen. He is in heaven. He will come back for me. Yes, of course, I worship Jesus. And then you surrender and you are on your knees and you lift up your hands to Him in adoration. Luke came to that conclusion. Isn't it beautiful? Beautiful to know that you are not alone. Beautiful to know that your God, the true God of heaven and earth, is with you all the time in the person of the Holy Spirit dwelling in your heart. What else he said there? Listen to this. He says that they stayed at the temple all the time praising God. And you know, when they say all the time, that means also all the time that they were available because they had lives. They needed to do some work. They needed to take care of things in their own families, naturally. The point is the desire of the disciples of being all together in the temple, praising God, praising God. A true disciple cannot be far away from the sanctuary where we all worship God. A true disciple is going to find a way to even if it's once in a while to show up and be there in the presence of God, in the very presence of God in a sanctuary, in a church, to worship and praise the name of the Lord. And then you're going to sing to the Lord. Whatever the music style that church has. Because the music style and the instruments and even the quality of the singers is not the key factor in worshiping and praising God. It's all about hearts. Precisely when you follow your heart, when you follow the voice of the Holy Spirit, you just cannot go to worship God, my friend. You just can't. You just can't. You just feel the need to be there and, and adore the one true God. After all, in our days, it's only once a week. Let's continue now. Here is Luke now, starting the book of Acts, chapter 1, and verse 3, beat through 5. He says, the apostles saw Jesus many times during the 40 days after he was raised from dead. You see that? 40 days he spoke to them about God's kingdom. The Lord Jesus talking about it. One time Jesus was eating with them. That's why I like to eat. The Lord does it. He told them not to leave Jerusalem. He said, wait here until you receive what the Father promised to send. Remember, John baptized people with water. But in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So this is how Luke begins the book of Acts. Speaking about a promise, I love this, my friend. A promise for every believer. A promise that is probably the most important promise that you can receive from God. That the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Now, you're thinking, well, the Holy Spirit dwells in me. Well, I hope so. And I believe you if you tell me you are a believer. I know. 
Because only by the power of the Holy Spirit you can declare that Jesus is Lord. But I am talking here about something that is deeper than that. If you believe what the Bible says, if you believe what the Lord Jesus said, and he said that John baptized him with water, and you remember the baptism, you know, by immersion fully into the water, not aspersion, you are into the water, right? The water is all around you. Well, he said, John did it with water. But there's going to come a time when you will be baptized by the, by the Holy Spirit with fire, the fire of the Holy Spirit all around you. Have you experienced that? Do you know what is to feel in all because you are embraced by God? Do you know what is to be shaking and trembling because there is something spiritual so powerful around you that you just don't know what it is? <laughs> so many people have shared their testimonies about feeling that they are in a vision, that they are being lifted up into the sky and see things. Other people have expressed that there is a fire so powerful within themselves that there is like an explosion. Others have told us about experiences that they have within some things around their own bodies. God is real. God is real, my friend. If the Lord Jesus said that we need to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, he meant it. And if you have not been baptized by the Holy Spirit, you need to be waiting for that day. Because the Lord will do it. The question is, do you want it? No, I'm not. Why not? Because I have heard that people do this, people do that, you know? I want you to know that as so many faces that you can see in the world and so many different kind of body shapes and all that, the great variety the Lord makes with humans and flowers and fish and birds, He is not going to do the same thing with every believer. Okay, done, check this, check this, check. He's so creative. The way that he will deal with you and your concerns about the Holy Spirit is the way that he will deal, deal with you and your concerns about the Holy Spirit. And if he wants to touch in such a way that you will end up on the floor laughing uncontrollably, so be it. If on the other hand, the power of God will come to you when you are laying in bed and you are just overwhelmed in tears unexplainably, just feeling an awe for God, well, that will be it. The point is, the power of God is real. It is not just words. It is not just words. You cannot just say, I love the Bible. I love to read the Bible. I love to hear the messages. I love the explanations. But that's it. Don't touch me. <laughs> 
You're entitled if you don't want to be touched by the Holy Spirit. If you don't want God to get deeper inside of you. But I can tell you this, that is magnificent. It is outstanding. And you should wait for that day. Because he will do amazing things in you. You just don't know it yet. But you, what is your job, my friend? Your job is to wait in the presence of God for that day. That's your job. You just need to wait. But you know, it's like being pregnant. So one day the girl, you know, is experiencing sickness in the morning. <laughs> she doesn't understand what's going on. She has the idea. She feels different. Does the test. Boom. I'm pregnant. And then the news. But from the moment that they find out that she is pregnant to the moment when they, this baby is there, it takes a while. Waiting. It's like when you apply for a job and they say, we're going to call you. Waiting. It's like anything else. You plant a tree, you plant a flower. You're baking a cake. You're getting ready to go somewhere. Waiting. Waiting is actually precious. You know, waiting is something that makes you love whatever it is what you are waiting for. Your job is to wait in the presence of God for the moment when the Holy Spirit will touch you and fill you. And he will do whatever he wants to do in you. Waiting on him. But when we have so many things that are instantaneous, then you have bunches and bunches of believers that they have no clue about the power of the Holy Spirit. They don't want to wait. Just give me the message, man. And let me leave. I got to go to my next thing. Fine. But if you are listening today, the Lord is telling you, learn to wait in the presence of God. If you are asking God for a sign, if you are asking the Lord, give me the answer. Tell me what to do. Wait. Show him that you care so much that you're going to wait. Wait. Now the key is, when you are waiting, you have to believe in him. Waiting is, is essential in everything. You set the date for your wedding, or you know when the baby is about to be born, or you know when you're going to make this trip, or you know when they will give you the keys to your new house. Anything. Waiting is essential, right? We discussed this, and you know it. You understand that. But when it's about waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit, you need to be waiting, but believing in Him. Because if you are waiting there, but just killing time, it's not going to be the way that the Lord wants it to be. 
you have to be waiting with expectation. And if it takes time, you're going to wait. Because he promised that he will send the Holy Spirit upon you. Receive it then. Waiting on him, he will do it. Acts 1, 6 through 8. The apostles were all together. They asked Jesus, Lord, is this the time for you to give the people of Israel their kingdom again? Jesus said to them, the Father is the only one who has the authority to decide dates and times. They are not for you to know, but the Holy Spirit will come on you and give you power. You will be my witnesses. You will tell people everywhere about me in Jerusalem, in the rest of Judea, in Samaria, and in every part of the world. God's kingdom is about eternity, my friend. God's kingdom is not about how much money you're going to make in life because you are a believer. God's kingdom is not about how powerful you will be with whatever is what you do. God's kingdom is not about you having a beautiful retirement with everything taken care of. God's kingdom is not about you and your loved one together forever and one day you're going to die together holding hands. <laughs> God's kingdom is not about you will watch your children and the rest of your descendants being happy and prosperous. And God's kingdom is not about this world. God's kingdom is about eternity. The power of the Holy Spirit will come to you to, just to reassure you this. That is all about eternity. That is why you have that power. The first thing is this power is going to redirect your life to eternity and heaven more than anything. But the power of the Holy Spirit is to testify about Jesus. The objective, the final objective of being touched by the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you experience whatever is what you experience and everyone is going to be different, the whole objective is that finally you are in a place that you feel so comfortable to testify about Jesus everywhere you go. And you become a witness. Here in this passage, Luke is telling us that the Lord Jesus clearly said, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and as until the ends of the world, meaning from the place where you are to the next area where you touch people, to the next, to the next, to wherever the Lord expands your life. It's all about testifying about the Lord Jesus. But Luke ends in chapter 28 of the book of Acts with something very interesting. He says, the Jews said to Paul, we want to hear your ideas. That's interesting. Paul and the Jews chose a day for a meeting. On that day, more of these Jews met with Paul at his house. He spoke to them all day long, explaining God's kingdom to them. He used, to law, he used the law of Moses on, and the writings of the prophets to persuade them to believe in Jesus. Some of the Jews believed what he said, but others did not believe. Then... Paul quoted the prophet Isaiah. If their minds were not closed, they might see with their eyes. They might hear with their ears. They might understand with their minds. Then they might turn back to the Lord and be healed. 
<laughs> you know, the, the book of Acts is a wonderful description of the trials of the church leaders and regular members. When you read the book of, of Acts and, be, and begin with this empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and then you are like, wow, this is awesome. The power of God in me, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Whether you are speaking in tongues or not, whether you have visions or not, whether you are being blessed with the gift of healing to heal sick ones, whether you are gifted with ability to administrate, whether you are blessed in many ways, it doesn't matter. At the end, what happens is that you will go through life and you will experience trials one way or other. Look at the life of Paul here in the book of Acts. Look at the life of Stephen, who was the first martyr in the book of Acts. Look at the life of Philip. You have to read what happened to Philip in the book of Acts. It's an exciting thing. Peter, having these visions about food, how the Lord said, you can eat everything. Everything. Just to mention it to our dear friends who wants to come back to certain diets in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, here in the book of Acts, it, it, it all changed. And then how Paul was going to, through a process to end up incarcerated and finally free. It is just amazing. But not just Paul, everybody else with them going through trials. And they met to pray, to see what they could do. First missionary trip, second missionary trip, and third missionary trip. It's exciting stuff, my friend. The book of Acts is all about that. And Luke not just wrote things that he heard. Here in this book, he was present in some of those experiences. Which means you, my friend, you can investigate, you can research, you can find truths, and you can hear the testimonies of witnesses, but eventually you will become a real protagonist in the story of the next chapter in the book of Acts. 29th today, your life. Leaders, regular members, we all experience all this. We have to, because it's the reality that God wants us to have and live and experience. But look, what is what Paul says here in the second letter to Timothy, chapter 4, 4 and verse 11, section A. He says, Luke is the only one still with me. Luke is the only one still with me. So Paul went through a lot. And in many of his writings, he, he says different things. But he said in here, in, in this part of the letter to Timothy, the only one with me now is Luke. You know, Luke was an intelligent person. Luke was accurate. Because he investigated, he went through facts, he was accurate in what, what he was saying, what he was writing. Also, Luke was devoted. He became a believer in some point. We don't know when exactly, but he became devoted, devoted to the point that his loyalty was proven. Here, Paul says, 
And Luke is the only one here still with me. My friend, don't you see the greatness in Luke? Don't you see the beautiful life of this scientist, someone that was trained and prepared, which eventually served a beautiful purpose to write the Gospel of Luke, the book of Acts. You tell me if you don't feel inspired knowing that individuals like him devoted their lives for the noble cause of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. What about you, my friend? What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your life? What are you waiting to become a person like him? What is what you need to make that decision? Would you like to be remembered as someone like Luke? One day in the future, you are not here. And your family get together. They say, I remember her. She was intelligent. She was accurate. She was devoted. Right? She was loyal. Would you like that in the future your family will say things like that about you? That you were intelligent, that you were accurate, that you were devoted, and you were loyal. You can do it, my friend. Perhaps everything has to begin at the beginning of everything with the Lord Jesus Christ, which is by surrendering. John 3.16 talks about this, and we have said this many times, and we will continue saying it, but I want to invite you today. Open your heart to start your life all over again. Just say with me, dear God, I am sorry. Dear God, I see that I need to change. Dear God, please forgive me. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my errors and mistakes and all my mess. I open my heart to you one more time. Please embrace me as your child. I believe Jesus is your son. And I believe your Holy Spirit is dwelling in my heart. My name is written in the book of life. From now on, I believe for you. I will live for you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. My friend, thank you so much for the time you are investing here. The message of today was Dr. Luke and his manuscripts in the Bible. I would like you to share this with somebody, to bless somebody, to help somebody. From Victory Church in the name of our Lord God, my wife Tracy, my team, church members, Victory Church, we say thank you for being here with us today. Worship service 274, January 23rd, 2022. Dr. Luke and his manuscripts in the Bible. Thank you so much for watching. Hey, 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 hey. That's all, that's all, that's all, folks. Hey, <laughs> hey.
Time to go home. <laughs> Ciao.